We're going to be looking this morning at Luke 4, 33 through 37, and then 40 and 41. In these several chapters that we're looking at here in Luke, uh, what is being stressed over and over again is the authority that Jesus has. And so we have seen over the past two weeks, two weeks ago we saw Jesus' authority over nature when he uh, uh, got the, the disciples the large catch of fish. And, uh, and of course you see that throughout Jesus' life when he calms the seas and stills the storms and walks on water and all those wonderful things that Jesus did. And then last week we saw that Jesus taught with authority. And, and Luke stresses that in several places there in chapter 4 and beyond. But now we're going to look at something that might seem a bit strange to us in the, in the times in which we live, but Jesus' authority over demons. We see a numerous accounts in the Gospels of Jesus casting out demons uh, or people who were possessed. And we come to this account Actually, two separate accounts, but one account of a specific man who was possessed by a demon, and then another account of Jesus rebuking demons from many people. So here we are, God's Word, Luke 4:33. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. Well, demon possession is not something that we hear about uh, much in our day. Uh, Sometimes we might see it on a horror movie and uh, really caricatured. Uh, And you probably don't give it too much thought in daily life since it's not really a common experience. And some people would go so far as to dismiss these biblical accounts of demon possessions as uh, just uh, mental illness of some sort. But that would be a mistake. Jesus makes a distinction between physical illness and demon possessions, and there is other terms that were were used for mental illness, uh, many terms for the different various mental illnesses that people suffered with in Jesus' day, but demon possession is something different. Evil is real. Evil is personal, and it is present in our world just as it was in Jesus' day. Well, C.S. Lewis famously said, uh, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe 
and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So we want to have a balance there. So what are demons? Well, demons were fallen angels. They were their deathless creatures, and they serve Satan. Satan is their leader, and he's the first of the fallen angels. These other angels, demons, joined Satan's rebellion, and they were cast out of heaven, and now they await the final judgment. Now these creatures, these fallen angels, these demons, are superhuman, but they're not divine. Sometimes people give the devil too much credit. Uh, reminds me of Flip Wilson, you know, he had a character and, and the character would do something bad and he would always say, the devil made me do it. Well, not necessarily so. Could be, but not necessarily so and certainly not for Flip Wilson. Well, the, they're, they're superhuman, not divine. They do have a lot of knowledge and power, but they're not omniscient like God, nor are they omnipotent. They can move around in ways that humans cannot, but they're not omnipresent. So they're not like God in that way. Their minds are permanently set to oppose God, goodness, truth, the kingdom of Christ, and the welfare of human beings. And they have real, if limited, power and freedom of movement, as I said uh, before, but Calvin pictures it and he is talking about the passage in Jude 6 that says these fallen angels are destined for chains and darkness. Calvin says that they drag their chains wherever they go and can never hope to overcome God. So Luther was, was wont to say that the devil is God's devil, meaning that he is, he is subject to God. He is not more powerful than God, you see there in the beginning chapter of, chapters of Job where Satan comes and appears before God and has to give a report to God and God allows him to do certain things. He's on a chain. He can only go so far. You've seen a, a dog on a chain, of course, and sometimes you're very thankful that they are because they'll come charging at you and you think, oh no, this dog's going to eat me alive. And then the chain he comes to the end of his chain and he can't go any further. Well, that's what Satan is like. And, and all these fallen angels. They can only do what God allows them to do. Their, their power is very limited. But it is real, and it occurs. It started at the very beginning. We see demonic activity in the Garden of Eden. God made all creation. And what did he say about it? It's good. And when he created man, he said it's very good. So all was good there in the Garden of Eden, and, and everything was perfect. And then Satan comes along, and he possesses this serpent. And Satan was allowed to tempt our first parents, and sadly, they failed the test. And all of humanity was corrupted through Satan's cunning and Adam's failure. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what he did there in the Garden of Eden. And this whole sorry history of humanity since that day is because of Satan's activity and Adam's failure to obey the Lord. But what we see here in this passage and in the New Testament, what Adam failed to do in, in, as, as the representative of mankind, Jesus has done. Jesus came to accomplish victory over the devil. 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared 
was to destroy the works of the devil. And so the devil and, the, and his demons know who Jesus is, and they know why he has come. They always correctly identify Jesus when these demons are allowed to speak. Look at verse 34. Ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? In other words, leave us alone. You know, you, you, you stay in your lane, and we'll do what we're doing, and you just, you just stay away from us. And he says, have you come to destroy us? See, they know what's going to happen to them. And there are other accounts where uh, the demons say, you've come to destroy us before the time. You know, they know that their time is limited. I know who you are, the Holy One of God, this demon says. And in verse 41, the demons come out of many crying, you are the Son of God. But he always rebukes them because he doesn't want a demon testifying about himself. You know, they're going to accuse Jesus of himself being possessed by a demon. And that would probably just uh, reinforce their, their bad idea about who Jesus is, his opponents who said, You're, you have uh, the devil in you. You are, you are possessed by Beelzebub, which is another name for Satan. And he doesn't allow these demons to testify about him because their, their testimony was true. They knew who Jesus was very accurately, the Holy One of God, the Son of God. Demons have good theology. James 2, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. They shudder. And they're shuddering here before Jesus. They know why he's come, and they are seeking to oppose it. That is why you have this level and intensity of demonic manifestations in people during Christ's period on earth. There was never a period before, nor has there been a period since, where so much demonic activity was going on. That's why you see Jesus casting out so many demons. It was unparalleled in the Old Testament or since. And it was doubtless part of Satan's desperate battle for his kingdom against Christ's attack on, on it. Revelation 12 gives us an interesting picture of this battle that's going on. In, in, in that, it, it says, John receives this vision that says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And, he, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now there's a lot of difference of opinion on exactly what this means, but uh, I'll give you how I understand it. Uh, I believe the woman is the Old Testament church, and uh, she gives birth to Jesus, who is the one who is the Son of God and the one who is to rule all nations. And of course, the dragon is the devil, and, and the dragon, Satan, and all of his fallen angels are seeking to destroy Jesus. 
You saw it happen at the very when Jesus was born. Herod came after Jesus and was trying to kill uh, all the ended up killing all those babies uh, in uh, Jerusalem, seeking to eliminate the Christ. He was a tool of Satan. He had to flee to Nazareth to save his life. And, and once he started his public ministry, Satan came after him in the wilderness with those temptations, and Satan continued and continued and continued to try to get him off mission. He knew why he had come. He knew who he was, and he was trying to oppose it at every point. And that's the picture that you're getting here in Revelation. He's trying to devour that child. Well, the, the vision goes on. And it speaks more clearly about Satan and his angels. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half time. And I believe that's the era we're living in now. He is trying to destroy the church. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Not exactly sure what that means, but this is important. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So this Satan and his demons are trying to destroy the church. They're trying to destroy God's people. All the offspring of the Old Testament church, which is us in the New Testament church, and those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. So Jesus appears on the scene, and even though Satan is opposing him, trying to destroy him, Jesus triumphs over the demons. He casts them out right and left. And it's a clear indication that God's kingdom was breaking into the present age in a new and decisive way, driving back demonic forces and setting people free to serve the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what we see Jesus doing here. He has authority to defeat Satan. Okay, so there you go. That's what this passage is pointing us to. So what does it have to do with you? I mean... I'm looking out here, and, and I'm pretty sure none of you are possessed by the devil. And I'm so thankful that that is the case. But we need to be aware of some things. And the first thing is this. We all need rescue from evil, from Satan, from demons. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So see, Paul only has two categories of people. He has those who are believers, who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you've got all the rest of mankind who are under and following the devil, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in all the sons of disobedience. All those who live according to the passions of their flesh and carry out the desires of the body and the mind. They're all children of wrath. So we need to be aware of this, that evil is real, and if we don't have Christ, we are part of that evil. We need salvation. We need to be set free from our bondage to sin and to evil. And that's what we have in Christ. But God, Paul goes on to say, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's much better than being one of the sons of disobedience and under the power of the devil. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it doesn't matter whether you're, if you, just because you read this passage and you go, well, I'm not demon-possessed. You need a Savior. You need Jesus. You are, by nature, a child of wrath. You are, by nature, evil. You're not naturally good. People aren't born innocent. Because of Adam's failure in the garden, every human being is born with a sin nature. And we need salvation. So that's the first thing. You need rescue. The second thing is, you need to be aware. You need to be aware that there is evil out there. I mean, we can turn on the news and see that, can't we? But it is personal, and it is, and it is pointed at those who are followers of Christ. Don't be surprised that there is evil in the world or that, it, that there's a foe out there that's after you. 1 Peter 5 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I've never been on a safari. Uh, it seems like it would be kind of fun, but scary. I mean, I've seen those movies where there's lions coming after people, and, and that's the picture that Peter gives us here. I mean, they're stealthy creatures like all cats are. I don't really like cats that much. But I especially don't like, you know, a several thousand pound lion coming and eating me. Prowling around, sneaking through the grass. 
That's the picture that we have here of Satan. We need to be aware of that. Now, if I went on a safari, knowing that there's lions around, I would be like on my guard, looking out, making sure that I don't get eaten. And that's what Peter's telling us. Be on the alert. Be aware. There is a lion loose, and he's going to eat you. And, if, and you're vulnerable when you're not aware. Back to the C.S. Lewis quote. We need to understand that there is a foe that's out to destroy us, but he's defeated. We can resist him, firm in our faith. Paul goes on to say, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there's spiritual warfare going on around us. So we need to be aware of that. And we also need to be engaged in the fight. Scriptures constantly enjoin Christians to be uh, fighters, to fight the good fight of faith, to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And we can stand. We have been given the panoply of God. Uh, There's a line in a hymn, I don't think we're singing it today, uh, but it's... uh, one of those hymns that talks about putting on the armor of God, and that's the word panoply is, is uh, armor. I was prepared to say that because I was thinking about singing that hymn, and I was going to explain what panoply was and show my great knowledge off here. Uh, but it's the armor of God, and we need to put it on. You know, the, the, uh, the, the helmet of salvation and the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the shoes of... Uh, for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. All those things we need that we've been equipped with to be able to fight the the fight. James, as we read earlier in our uh, assurance of pardon, says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's not God. He's not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. Uh, He is a defeated foe, knows his time is short, We need to be engaged in the battle and be aware of what's going on around us. We're no more vulnerable than when we're asleep. And if we walk around asleep, we could be harmed spiritually. We need to be aware of all those traps that are set out there for us, the temptations, even our own flesh that is used against us. So may God grant us grace to be able to faithfully stand day after day, and fight the good fight of faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that we would not be disturbed by these things that seem so foreign to us in many ways, but really uh, they they are real, and we might uh, be tempted to ignore these things, this spiritual battle that's going on around us. Lord, we pray that we would have a healthy understanding of that and uh, not credit everything to the spiritual battle, but know that there is a spiritual battle. Lord, give us balance in our understanding there. And also, Lord, we pray that we would uh, be alert, that we would be vigilant, and that we would not become passive but that we would continue to fight with the sins that easily beset us, that we would not give up that fight, that we would resist the devil and the temptations that he throws in our path, 
that we would walk and, and, and walk in the way, the paths of righteousness, run the race that's before us. And most importantly, Lord, we pray that we would all come to you, our defender, our rock, our fortress, our stronghold, and that you would cover us and shelter us and protect us. You, our Savior, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.